Chapter 20 Three Plates of Venison Herman turned toward the throat-clearing sound, and he saw Klaus and Gertrude standing beside the table, which caused him to jump to his feet and greet them. I hope we didn't keep you waiting, Gertrude murmured to him, in an extravagant blue gown that couldn't have contrasted more with the shabby suit he was wearing. Almost everything about her contrasted with him. Still, despite their differences, Herman got this strange feeling that they weren't that different. Also, like when they first met, he felt there was something about her that went beyond all she was projecting, and this once more intrigued him. I got here a little early, he told them both. I'm just glad you made it, she told him back before taking her seat. Like him, Gertrude again found Herman interesting. She found him as interesting as he found her, if not more so, and she wanted to discover the source of this. I've been so looking forward to tonight, she added. You don't know how much. Herman nodded unsurely, and he and Klaus joined her at the table. Joining them as well was a waiter, who left three menus and a wine list before continuing on. They have terrific peppered venison here, Gertrude remarked, without making the slightest attempt to look at her menu. I know, Herman remarked back, while recalling the many times he had eaten the dish here over the years. My wife and I... Suddenly he stopped himself, when he noticed Klaus glaring at him. Go on, Gertrude urged. Never mind, Herman muttered. It's not important... You two share some mysterious past, don't you, she noted with a grin. It's really not that mysterious, he insisted. If only finding the truth in men were as easy as finding the area under a curve, she told them. I'd simply take the definite integral between the two of you and discover everything I wanted to know. Still, I'm going to find out all about you two. You can trust me on that. But right then, something else captured her interest. The waiter, who was walking past them. She caught his attention by calling out to him in Czech, Panavrikni. At once, the man came to a stop, and he turned around and stepped up to their table, where he fished out his pad and pen and uttered, Ano. Sunchina pepsi prosim, she replied as she ordered the meal. Tsikrat, sriji. piti was the waiter's next question, which he asked after he picked up the wine list and showed it to her. Vash nelepshi pinot noir, Gertrude let him know. Mleko promye, Klaus interjected with some embarrassment. Dobsha, the waiter exclaimed, before he took the menus and hurried off to the kitchen. I hope you don't mind that I ordered for you, Gertrude said to Herman. Not at all, he mumbled. It annoys Klaus to no end, she commented before grasping the man's wrist. He's not used to a strong woman. Your check is really quite good, Herman uttered, while shaking his head in disbelief over how well she had ordered the meal. It also embarrassed him a little, as he knew that he couldn't have done it nearly as well. Not even Klaus can pronounce his jeux as well as you, and I've always envied his. Even after living here for twenty years, I still can't say them right, which is something my wife... 
Again, Herman stopped himself when he again noticed Klaus glaring at him. I was born here, you know, Gertrude pointed out, as the waiter brought Klaus a glass of milk and Gertrude and Herman a bottle of expensive French wine, which he showed her. Dobja, she informed him with a nod, and he uncorked the bottle and served it to them before leaving what remained on the table and taking his leave once more. I've known plenty of native German speakers who were born here in Prague, Herman stated. Many can barely say hello in Czech, and most aren't the slightest bit ashamed of it either. In fact, a good friend of mine named Kafka was even taught Czech from his earliest years, but spoke it more haltingly than me. Well, in my father's house, she noted, the entire staff was Czech. I simply had to learn it if I wanted to keep up with all the goings-on. Something tells me that it's more than just that, Herman expressed in wonder, and I bet this something is far more interesting than my past with Klaus. Right then, the ceaseless gaiety that had flowed out of Gertrude from the moment Herman had met her emptied out of her. It was as if someone had deflated all the air in her balloon. My husband, she mumbled. He was a native Czech speaker. In spite of being German, he insisted on us speaking it whenever possible. The loss of air wasn't the only thing afflicting Gertrude. Sounds and images flooded her mind as well. Not only of her tear-soaked visit only days earlier to Vishharat Cemetery, but also of the terrible morning years before that. The morning she desperately wanted to forget, and knew she had to forget. But no matter how hard she tried or what she tried, she couldn't stem the flow of these images and sounds, and the horror of them poured out onto her face. I think we should change the subject, Klaus suggested. Me too, muttered Herman, while averting his eyes from both of them, as the horror he saw in her face was something he recognized all too well. Klaus tells me that you're a police detective, Gertrude mentioned, while desperately trying to reinflate herself. He also says that you're helping him solve a very important case. He said that, Herman gasped, with both surprise and confusion. He actually said quite the opposite, she asserted, which led to my conclusion, which the expression on your face has just confirmed, by the way. Thank you. You're welcome, he said to her, before glancing at Klaus, who just shrugged in defeat. This exchange forced Herman to see a certain truth about Gertrude. While earlier he had thought of her as both beautiful and interesting but vapid, he now knew she was something a whole lot better. He knew there was not only a human being behind the caricature, but that a big powerful mind was lurking beneath her beauty, and that this was as adept as anything on the outside of her head, if not more so. I've actually never heard of a Jewish policeman before, Gertrude went on. I've heard of Jewish accountants and Jewish bankers and lots of Jewish lawyers. I've even heard of a Jewish boxer, but never a Jewish policeman. There are more of us than you'd think, Herman maintained. Police serve best in the communities in which they live, and Yosefov, where I both lived and worked, was a community like all others with the same problems and crimes. But there is no more Yosefov, she pointed out. 
There may not be any more Jews in Yosefov, he countered, but there will always be a Yosefov, and there will always be crimes there, which I suppose is why I'm here. So I assume that you haven't been in Prague all this time, she contended. I recently spent some time in Theresienstadt, he told her. Again, Hermann glanced at Klaus, and he saw that he was getting antsy, and this only increased when Gertrude added, It must have been some crime for them to drag you out of Theresienstadt to solve it. I suppose all crime is relative, Hermann explained, especially in times such as these. What may seem like a big crime to some people, to others may seem small and insignificant in comparison to other crimes. I couldn't agree more, Gertrude argued, while feeling her interest in Herman rising. It rose to the point that she found herself leaning toward him a bit. So, are you hot on the trail of this culprit, she whispered. I only began looking for him yesterday afternoon, he replied. Something tells me that if I were your villain, she speculated, I'd be very worried about tomorrow morning. Maybe the morning after tomorrow, he speculated back. Gertrude giggled at this, just as the waiter came by with three plates of peppered venison and white rice, which he placed in front of them before leaving once more. Doberhut, she called out to both men while picking up her utensils, and Klaus and Herman replied in kind before picking up their own. Overwhelmed by the smells in front of him, Herman tore off a large piece of the cutlet. He further brought it into his mouth, where he savored every spice and flavor that came into contact with his tongue. The food made him tremble, not just from the taste, but also from the excitement of experiencing such pleasure again. Though he was brought out of this when he heard a man scream, Heil Hitler! Herman didn't want to look at the source of this. He really didn't, but he couldn't help himself and he saw a young soldier saluting Klaus with eyes as wide as apples. What is it? Klaus demanded while looking perturbed, though not nearly as perturbed as Gertrude, who had had way too many meals with Klaus interrupted in a similar manner. Colonel Riedel requests your presence in his office at once on a most urgent matter, the man cried out to Klaus, who sighed before wiping his mouth with a napkin and rising to his feet. I hope you'll forgive me, he told Gertrude. You know I always do, she told him back, though I shouldn't. Quickly, Herman took one last and exceedingly large bite of the venison, which was pretty much all he would have been able to eat that night anyway. Then, after washing this down with this entire glass of wine, which itself exhibited a perfectness that he never imagined wine having, he rose to his feet as well. But Herman doesn't have to go too, does he? Gertrude uttered. I've been so enjoying our conversation. I'm afraid so, Klaus maintained. This probably concerns him too. All right, gentlemen, she declared. We'll continue this tomorrow night. I'm having a dinner party at my home, and I won't take no for an answer. I'll even serve venison, Herman, so you can get your proper fill of it this time.